This is Publishers Weekly Radio, the authority on all things books and publishing, with everything you need to know from your favorite books and the world in which they live to bestseller lists and publishing news. Here's the inside story on your favorite story. Publishers Weekly Radio, with your hosts, Rose Fox and Mark Rotella. Hello and welcome to Publishers Weekly Radio, on the web at publishersweekly.com slash pwradio and streaming free on iHeartRadio, iTunes, and audiobookradio.net. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. And I'm Rose Fox. I'm a Senior Reviews Editor at Publishers Weekly, and we're bringing you the very best author interviews directly from PW's offices in New York City, the heart of the book publishing world. Here's one of our favorite interviews from the PW Radio Archives. We hope you enjoy it, and check our site on September 14th for our brand new show, PW Insider. Welcome back. I'm Mark Rotella. And I'm Rose Fox. You're listening to Publishers Weekly Radio, direct from the PW offices in New York City. Today, we've got Reverend Maggie Oman-Shannon on the line. She's the author of Crafting Calm, Projects and Practices for Creativity and Contemplation. Maggie, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on. So your new book is called Crafting Calm, Projects and Practices for Creativity and Contemplation. So tell us about it. I would love to. It's interesting. It came out of uh, a book that I wrote back in 2001 called The Way We Pray, Prayer Practices from Around the World. And basically in that book, I wrote about and researched 50 different prayer practices, you know, taking a very broad definition of prayer. And many of them were creative. And I was so inspired by what I was reading and writing about that I started trying some of these out myself. And basically what Crafting Calm is, is a personal account of my, you know, personal forays into trying these creative prayer or spiritual practices. And, and how did you go about doing it? Can you give us an example of, of, uh, of maybe a project for creativity and contemplation? Yeah, you bet. Um, the, the book is actually organized into eight different sections that kind of suggest a different benefit from certain crafts. So there's calm and comfort, clarity, um, contemplation community, connection, that, that kind of thing. Uh, but a good one that I like to uh, suggest to people, because they may already be familiar with it, is called a treasure map. And basically, it's a collage that you make out of images and words from magazines, usually. And it depicts a dream or a goal that you have. And I tell the story in the book about how I found this practice extremely powerful, and I made one back in 1994 that I still have, and I've been taking it to book signings, so it's 19 years old, but it was uh, to get me out here to San Francisco, because at the time I was living in Indianapolis, and I just felt like I need to be out in San Francisco, and I made this wonderful treasure map uh, depicting landmarks from the Bay Area. I looked at it. It was part of my prayer and meditation time, and and four months later, I was hired for a job out here, and uh, I've been here ever since. Wow. And, and can you tell us what this looks like, what this collage looks like? You bet. I, I actually did it a little bit differently from uh, the way you often see them. Usually, people make them out of poster board that I think uh, is 24 by 36, roughly, the, the big pieces of poster board that you find in office supply stores. But this particular one uh, is more of a the size of a panorama 
prints from a camera back when we used to make those. And so it's relatively small. It's probably, you know, 12 to 16 inches long. And Time Magazine back in 1994 had a great uh, advertisement of pop-up buildings from the San Francisco downtown area. So I've got a Coit Tower, a Transamerica building, and a Golden Gate Bridge that are literally three-dimensional. And I placed those on the on the treasure map. And what I'd love to tell people is that the Golden Gate Bridge was the primary image on this treasure map. And the job that, that I got required me to commute across the Golden Gate Bridge uh, to Sausalito. So I really do believe there's a great power in visual images. That sounds pretty incredible. Um, now, I'm I'm not particularly religious, personally, but I love handicrafts, and I could definitely use some more calm in my life. So uh, would your book be useful to someone like me? Absolutely. And, you know, thanks for making that um, comment because, you know, I'm a minister, and so my, my day job uh, kind of has me defaulting into those kinds of areas. But, but, yes, these crafts can be made by anyone, whether you have an interest in, um, you know, spiritual matters or whether you're just looking for some calm, something to just take you to a deeper and calmer place because, uh, as you know, living in New York City, as we all know, living in 21st century America, um, it's so easy to get off track, to get distracted. You know, we see the little scrolls on the bottom of our um, television sets or log on to the Internet and see headlines that are disturbing. And so I really see a lot of these crafts, if not all of them, as ways to just kind of reconnect with that part of us that is, um, you know, the highest and best part of us where we can just remember who we are and what it is we're trying to do in our lives and in our world. So, yes, this absolutely um, can be used by anyone, and I think that that everyone can uh, experience some of the wonderful benefits that that approaching crafts with this intention can give you. I'm Rose Fox, and you're listening to Publishers Weekly Radio. We're talking with author Maggie Oman-Shannon about crafting calm, projects and practices for creativity and contemplation. Maggie, this book was released on Mother's Day. Do you see this as a woman-centric topic, or was that just marketing? You know, it's a great question. I I, I think primarily um, women are the people, at least that I've seen in book signings, that are responding to it. But I also have seen men, and I did make a conscious point to include anecdotes of male crafters because they certainly are around us and this is to give them encouragement too and there's a a story in the book about a man who's a very accomplished beater and needlepoint worker and he tells how thrilled he was when he found out that there's a flicker site called manbroidery so there are you know (laughs) lots of vehicles and and in that funny um, community opportunities for male crafters as well well, and yes, this is definitely for both genders. Yeah, it's because I've, I've known a lot of men uh, who craft. I definitely, uh, I joined a, a sewing circle many years ago, and you know, there was one guy who showed up who was built like a football player, and he did the most exquisite needlepoint. So uh, there's there's definitely room for everybody. But I was I was just uh, noticing that you know, featured prominently in the publisher's materials about it. And so I was uh, wondering if that was a focus. 
Yeah, it, you know, I mean, I, I think it was thought that this would be a lovely gift to give uh, women who might be interested in crafting, but uh, the book itself was constructed so that men would also find inspiration in it. Now, the book covers a wide variety of crafts, uh, and some of them are linked to specific religious or cultural traditions like Native American talking sticks or Buddhist mandalas. So uh, tell us a little bit about how you approached writing about these traditions in a respectful way that honors their origins. Well, yeah, it's it's so important to me to be respectful uh, because, you know, often we hear that certain practices have been appropriated and sometimes out of context. So, you know, my previous five books have been sort of interfaith in focus, and they are all were uh, research-oriented. So in this particular book, which I did write in the first person and which includes more stories, uh, I was able just to include the voices of people who are using these practices as an offshoot of their own faith tradition. So for instance, I interviewed a, a Native American elder and teacher who is actually based in New York City, and uh, he's the one who told the story about prayer arrows. And I was so uh, happy to be able to include his actual words in describing how and why these are made, because it is important to be respectful. There is always a context for these uh, practices that we need to be mindful of and uh, aware of. Now, your second book was How to Make and Use Prayer Beads. What led you to write that book? Yeah, that was actually my third book, and I I co-wrote it. And I wrote it out of a love of making prayer beads. So, um, yeah, I had started making prayer beads for my 40th birthday. I asked everybody to bring a bead for me. I had the 20 women in a circle to, to bring in 40 with me and asked them all to bring in a bead, and it was so magical because every woman had the same assignment and brought in a different kind of bead that symbolized something different. And so I really saw just how powerful the practice of making personal prayer beads can be. You know, I didn't grow up Catholic or in another tradition that uses prayer beads, so... I've been very happy to be able to use them in a way that is personally meaningful to me and to introduce other people to the practice because um, there really can be a wonderful, you know, talking about calm, you know, calm and um, contemplation uh, using, you know, that that is fostered by using personal prayer beads and, and making them for a particular intention. So is the uh, is the making of the prayer beads also calming and and what kind of designs do you suggest for in in your book? Yeah, the whole you know it's so interesting in crafting calm and I actually talk about prayer beads although I I call it intention jewelry uh, in in crafting calm because that's really the piece to pay attention to is what is your intention for making this piece? So for instance, I've made beads for my marriage just to have particular things that I want to remind you know remind myself of when uh, being part of a partnership. I've made them for my child. I've made them for my ministry. In fact, when I was ordained uh, at Riverside Church uh, in New York, yeah. I made oh, right. a stole 
that was um, that included beads from different faith traditions because I was ordained as an interfaith minister and um, wore that as as basically my my stole. So um, there are many different ways you can approach them. You can approach them for different challenges you might be having. One time a friend made me prayer beads for house, looking for a house, because um, we had three months to get out of our rental and, and find a place to live. So they can be used for many different intentions, and it's just really powerful to have something that you can keep in your purse or pocket and, and pull out when you start to feel a little anxious or when you want to remember what it is that you're, you're shooting for. And also the community aspect of that is so important. Um, when I got married, someone very close to me didn't want to be part of the wedding party and didn't want to be sort of up in front of everybody. And so instead that friend knitted for me um, a, a strip of fabric that we used for the hand fasting part of the ceremony. And just having a, a physical representative of someone I was very close to being part of that was very meaningful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so true. And and one of the crafts that I write about, a, a woman shares her experience baking bread, which is kind of the same thing that you're talking about, and, mm-hmm. and how she very consciously folds in her good thoughts, her good energy, her prayers for the people that she's going to give this loaf of bread to, so that when they eat a piece of bread, they are literally taking in, you know, they're literally consuming her love and her best wishes for them. And I, I love those kinds of examples of of how something made by another can be so nourishing on on many different levels um, to the person receiving it because it is a reflection of their um, love for the other person. I'm Mark Rotella, and you're listening to Publishers Weekly Radio. We're talking with author Maggie Oman-Shannon, and we're talking about her book, Crafting Calm. But you're also an interfaith minister, and you've written not just on beads and crafts, but on how to pray. Tell us about those books. Sure. Yeah, my interest is, uh, it it began in uh, 1996, I guess. I was working for the Institute of Noetic Sciences and was given the opportunity to put together a prayer anthology on aspects of healing. So uh, that particular project was very blessed. The book came out in 1997, and the Dalai Lama wrote the introduction to it. Larry Dossi wrote the foreword, and many, uh, you know, big names in in publishing contributed to it, and that's what really launched me on this exploration of what prayer and spiritual practice is in different faith traditions, because, you know, with, with the advent of technology and the ability to travel so easily and quickly all over the world, we really have become a global society, and I think it's so important to learn how other people worship and, um, you know, what their concept is of the divine and, and how they strive to live their lives, because we are, you know, we're a world community, and it's important to understand what we have in common to offer and what people focus on are the differences. And you've also been the editor of three national magazines, including the Saturday Evening Post. And you've written for such publications as the Utney Reader. How have professional writing and editing informed your, uh, your, your ministerial work? 
You know, I, I just am so thrilled right now because I'm really seeing how these two tracks of my life are interweaving in such a really lovely way. Um, I, I feel so grateful for the opportunity to be able to share what I love and what I feel so passionately about um, with other people through the vehicle of writing. I've always wanted to be a writer. I, I um, had that desire at the age of 12, and in my little childish cursive, you know, I have a little declaration that I want to be a writer. And then I had my first spiritual experience at the age of 15, and so um, these these interests have been twin interests of mine, you know, for 40 years, and uh, it, it's just really lovely to see how they're interweaving uh, now, and I get to uh, write about what I love, my, my spiritual explorations, and uh, vice versa, you know, I... Um, I learn things about my spiritual exploration in the in the uh, course of research and writing. So um, I just feel extremely blessed. We've been talking with Maggie Oman Shannon. You can find Crafting Calm, her latest book and stories, right now. Maggie, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Beyond the headlines, beyond the routine, beyond the book. I'm Chris Keneally, host of Copyright Clearance and his podcast series, Beyond the Book. And I'm Andrew Albany, senior writer at Publishers Weekly. Join us each Friday for a publishing news week in review podcast unlike any other. Learn all the breaking news and catch the best analysis on developments in the book trade, copyright law, and much more. You already know business as usual. Now go Beyond the Book. Listen to the free series and subscribe at beyondthebook.com. And that's it for today's show. I'm Rose Fox. And I'm Mark Rotella, and you've been listening to Publishers Weekly Radio. You can listen to this and every episode of Publishers Weekly Radio absolutely free at publishersweekly.com slash pwradio. Subscribe to our podcasts on iHeartRadio and iTunes, and hear every new episode streamed live on audiobookradio.net. Check those sites every week for a brand new episode giving you the inside story on your favorite story. And don't forget, PW Insider launches on September 14th. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Publishers Weekly Radio Show. 